Welcome back to a new series on On The Grow Podcast. I'm your host, Grace Lee. In my last series, Mindset Series, I wanted to dedicate a series on our mindsets to specific issues. I kicked off the first episode of the series covering caring what people think. I discussed why we care so much about other people's opinions, stories from my past, a book that I highly recommend reading, and how we can stop caring what people think. In the second episode, I covered having too many tabs open. I discussed the feeling of losing focus, the illusion of successful multitasking, why we have too many tabs open, and how to put an end to this computing habit. The next episode was on people-pleasing and the gentle art of saying no. I talk about what it means to be a people pleaser, my past experiences with people pleasing and saying no, and how I've learned to say no to the things I don't want in my life. The episode after that was on why we self-sabotage. I discussed what causes us to self-sabotage, how it affects our relationships, careers, and even personally. I also share lots of stories in that episode. And after that episode was the number games we play. This episode was another personal one for me, where I talked about the numbers we tend to obsess and focus heavily over in our lives. Whether that's our weight and size, followers and likes on social, running times and distance, our age, money, They all fall under the category of what I like to call the number games. Natty Michelle joins me in the next episode, where we have a conversation on the truth behind toxic tendencies. We discuss our mental state and how we perceive people and ourselves, bad habits that are toxic, such as over-drinking, taking on other people's energy, unfollowing on social media, and more. For the season finale, I wrapped it up with navigating change. I discussed the mindset and approach for navigating change through personal and professional aspects of our lives. Whether that's a new job, new home, different routines, and habits we've adopted, staying motivated when things are slow, or just things in the age of coronavirus. I reflected on a lot of the changes we've had to make, especially this past year. Now, this is the first episode of the Winter Mom series. I will tell you that when I am recording a series, I'm always thinking of the next series to come, and they're constantly evolving in my mind. Um, I'll have an idea, and then I'll just grow from it as I keep thinking about it, and I keep picturing what I could actually talk about in each topic. This series came to mind when I was sitting on the Met Steps brainstorming my upcoming podcast series. Yes, you heard that correctly. Ever since I returned back to New York City, after a four long months of quarantine, I've been spending the majority of my time around the Metropolitan Museum and Central Park. Before quarantine, it was rare for me to go to Central Park. For some reason, it just it felt like a, a trek for me. But now, I always run there, 
get my exercise in on the med steps and also spend time brainstorming my upcoming projects and just clearing my head. It's been the most refreshing spot so far for me to really relax and drown out the outside voices and distracting thoughts in my mind. This place used to be by the water. There is a park near me where I live and I would always walk to that park and just stare out at the water over um, overlooking the city and it always gave me a peace of mind. But now I just I find it so relaxing to just go to the Met Steps. So I'll put on an easygoing playlist on Spotify and start typing away on my iPad. On one particular day, I remember wanting to get some air after a long day of work. I grabbed my iPad and a smoothie from Juice Generation on the way and made my way past the numbered avenues from Lexington Avenue, Park Avenue, Madison Avenue, and then to Fifth Avenue. The Met was already closed due to the COVID restrictions that are enforced by the city. I sat down on the fourth set of steps from the top and opened my iPad. Minutes turned to an hour, and I realized it was past sunset, and the lights that illuminate the Met at night were glistening a bold red. The air was a bit chillier, reminding me that maybe shorts weren't the best idea. And then, the idea really came to me. The winter mumps. We still have two-ish, three remaining months left of 2020. I find myself reflecting, along with the rest of the world, on a year's worth of work and effort. The good, the bad, the highs, the lows. I'm sure there will be some sort of reflection episode closer to the end of this year, but I really want to focus more on the actual winter mumps. I always feel giddy about the holiday season because Christmas is my favorite holiday and I'm a fall slash winter girl over summer any day. I'd rather bundle up and layer in coats and jackets than run around in shorts and a t-shirt. That's just me. The winter months can be some of the most exciting months because of the holiday season, but it can also be some of the hardest months. I felt this way before in my past years, but even though the holidays are magical in a place like New York City, it can also feel very lonely. Every winter, I've been single, and I always find myself coming across people who joke about, quote, cuffing season. Today's episode is called To Cuff or Not to Cuff. I'll be talking about cuffing season, the phenomenon behind this trend, why people stand true to this desire to be tied down, and what to do about it. For those of you who are already like, what is she talking about? Here is a definition of cuffing season. And by definition, I mean the Urban Dictionary version where it originated from. The term cuffing season appeared in Urban Dictionary in 2011. It refers to a specific time of year when people become extremely motivated to get quote, coupled up. People try to date more seriously in the fall and winter 
to avoid facing the cold and darkness while single. Makes sense. There is this huge phenomenon behind the trend. Every year, the weather starts to get colder and people start to panic in fear that they're going to be alone. Who is going to be your plus one to go apple picking, pumpkin picking, go on romantic strolls in the park to watch the changing leaves? Who will you snuggle and cuddle with in a heated blanket when it's snowing outside? I mean, who's going to cheers you with your hot chocolate and marshmallows on movie nights? All important things. One of the most common fears people have is being alone. People associate that the holidays mean you should be in love, do romantic things with a partner, find someone to spend the holidays with to have fun. Society seems to paint it that way. You know those Hallmark movies? The cheesy ones where you already know the ending just by watching the first 20 seconds of the trailer? Or, I don't know, guessing it by the title of the movie? Yeah, those movies. I won't admit it out loud. But there are certain moments in the winter months where I'll find myself watching one or two. We watch them because we know how the endings turn out. The single woman bumps into a stranger on Christmas and magically falls in love with him. There's a few bumps because his ex lives in town and he's just visiting. But in the end, they fall in love and live happily ever after. But we watch them anyway because of the ending. These fairy tale happy endings give us hope with coupling up with someone during this time. We fall in love with the idea of falling in love. But life doesn't always go the way we expect it to, right? A relationship is mutual, a two-way street. And unless the other person suddenly feels the same way you do, your idea of this hallmark fairy tale is merely just that. If you're already going into your cuffing season, thinking you only want someone for these next few cold months without thinking of it potentially blossoming into something, then you're already setting yourself up to fail and setting yourself up for some kind of heartbreak. Cuffing season is a social construct that is credited to partly the holiday stress and the desire to be loved that pushes single people to tie themselves down for the winter months. Have I ever craved having a certain someone to do all the lovey-dovey stuff with in the winter? There are occasions. I feel alone many times in these seasons. It's normal and also part of life. That doesn't mean you need to be fixed or something is wrong with you because you're alone. I've spoken on this in the Seasons of Singleness episode in my podcast too. Being alone is not a bad thing. I don't know about you, but there is something that makes me want to run far, far, far away when someone says, tie me down. I am the queen of do not ever tie me down. It's funny, actually. There's a song by one of my favorite artists called Tie Me Down by Griffin. And every time I'm singing along to it, I'm like, but no, not actually. Ask anyone who knows me. 
I have had a greater fear of being tied down to someone and losing my freedom than being alone for the rest of my life. I think a lot of my past relationships are credited to that very reason. It's not a fear of commitment. It's knowing that this person does not feel like the right person for me. So why should I settle down? I'm getting off topic here, so let's shift back to the phenomenon behind this trend. Cuffing season really picked up when rappers started to incorporate the the term into their lyrics. Online magazines covered the topic, and it started to trend as a meme, among other things. It's also another occurring trend we see when we're scrolling on Instagram and we see photos of couples, and it seems like everybody is in a relationship. Society loves to make people believe they aren't happy and can't be successful if they're not in a relationship. I also feel this way with Facebook, and now I I rarely go on Facebook because my entire feed is literally weddings, weddings, engagements, engagements, weddings, babies, weddings, engagements, engagements, babies, babies, changed last names so I don't know who's who. Literally my entire high school is on my Facebook and I swear all their last names are are different now so I don't sometimes I'm like who is who and who married who I just I can't keep up. <laughs> so therefore I just don't go on Facebook. That's that's pretty much it. So anyway, why why do people desire to be cuffed? That's the question. Sometimes I wonder what these people are thinking. Maybe they are aware that it's short-term and not the best idea, but they go for it anyway because it beats the loneliness in the moments, and who knows, maybe the relationship will blossom into something more. Cuffing season pushes many of us to be overly focused on trying to find the right person, and we neglect other people and areas of our lives that are important. I think people want to be cuffed because it beats being alone. It's as simple as that. Anything is better than being alone and doing all the fun, romantic holiday things alone, right? At least maybe that's their logic. I went to middle and high school in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I met a lot of girls and guys who just cannot be single. They are dependent on the other person, and the minute they are single, they feel as though They must find someone new to fill that spot. Do you know anyone else like that? I feel like not just middle school and high school, but even people now, it's just people that just, they can't be single ever. As a girl who was single all throughout middle school and high school, I never really understood that mentality, the dependency on another person, the need to be unavailable at all times the need to be seen with another person. I spent a lot of my time during these years wondering what it felt like to be cuffed at an age where you're exploring and getting to know someone, while also learning to be mature at the same time. Because let's be real, we weren't the most mature at those ages. It was always interesting to see which couples lasted throughout the winter months and which ones didn't. Some would last through the holidays, only to break up when March rolled around. 
I know a lot of relationships that also ended before summer started. It made sense because summer is a time where both girls and guys don't want to be tied down. It's a summer of freedom to do what you want and be with whoever you want. At least that's what they say. So what can you do about coughing season and your feelings towards it? Maybe you're not the, I don't care about coughing season. It doesn't bother me. But occasionally, I wish I I had someone during the winter moms type. Or maybe you're the, I do admit I am guilty to falling under the coughing season spell and want to have someone but don't know how to view things differently type. Whatever type you are, I have a couple of pointers that will help you view coughing season differently. The first step I'd say is be honest with yourself. What are your real intentions here? Do you want someone because you're lonely or do you actually want to be with someone? AKA that person. I think that asking yourself that question gives you a better understanding of what coughing season means to you. I find that Sundays are my days to really align myself for the upcoming week ahead. I'll start off with church online in the mornings and then by night I'll reassess and go over my schedule for the week. I've learned to really be honest with myself during this process. There are times where I'll admit, yeah, Grace, that really wasn't the best idea. Let's not do that again. Learning to be honest with what you want is extremely helpful. Even as you're thinking through coughing season and why you shouldn't give in for temporary happiness. The next step is keep yourself busy. As a busy person myself, I sometimes forget to eat or drink water. I know. I'm so busy to the point where things that are everyday tasks slip my mind. Even this week, I've forgotten to eat during the day and realized how hangry and cranky I was by dinner time. Yesterday, for example, I had two morning calls upon waking up and then by noon, I had some social work for my clients. After finishing that, it was 2 p.m. and I had originally wanted to go for a morning run, but since the calls happened, that didn't happen, and so I decided to go for a shorter run and cap it at two miles. By that time, it was 3 p.m., and I had to shower, get dressed, and ready for a shoot I had planned with a friend in Central Park. It was 5 p.m., and the only thing I had consumed was a juice generation protein smoothie that I picked up after my run in Central Park. So fast forward, it's 6 p.m. now, and we just finished the shoot, and I am starving. Not just starving, but dizzy from dehydration too. I was starting to get cranky, so I got a little annoyed when I ordered a bowl at Dig. Dig is this healthy, locally farm-sourced restaurant that I love in New York City. If you are ever visiting or if you live in New York City, you must eat at Dig. It's D-I-G-G. It's so good. Anyway, I ordered a bowl at Dig and it wasn't the exact chicken that I wanted. Yeah, me at my hangriest. Critiquing the chicken. I was bitter, but then my mood immediately switched when 
I reminded myself that I was grateful to even be eating this. Basically, my takeaway from yesterday's situation reminded me that one, I need to start meal prepping again, and two, I'm learning from that mistake and writing in my to-do list to get food or set aside time to make food earlier in the day. I used to meal prep when I worked a full-time job commuting back and forth to Brooklyn every weekday. If you followed me on my Instagram a year ago, you probably remember me snapping early AM IG stories of me walking to the subway at 6 or 7 AM every day. In the winter months, those days were pitch dark, which reminded me how unpleasant <laughs> that commute was. I mean, it was a it was an hour-long trek to get there, and my work started at 8 a.m. And then it was an hour-long trek back to Manhattan, and I would get back around 5 p.m. if I left on the dot at 4 p.m. Those days, the commutes really drained my energy, and not to mention the workload and just just the environment there. It took a lot out of me. And so I would try to meal prep on Sundays to hold myself accountable to eat. One of my good friends who also lives on the Upper East Side, Tatum, would always post her meal prepped food for her work back when we were in offices, pre-COVID times, of course. And I'd always admire her for the delicious salads and healthy meals she would make for herself. It's reminding me that I should probably prioritize that as a weekly thing, even though I'm working from home. My schedule is not the typical 9 to 5 p.m., which makes things a little difficult because working for yourself is all about time management. You can do it all if you manage your time correctly. And if you can't, since you're your own boss, you can do it tomorrow. But I, however, am a workaholic and sometimes don't know when to stop. Even now, I'm recording this podcast, and it is midnight. It's actually 12.25 a.m. My intention is to have this podcast up for you guys today, or when you're listening to it. Anyway, that's why I'm always busy. But you gotta admit, keeping yourself busy really does the job, no? If you're keeping yourself busy, you don't have to think about finding someone to be cuffed to. Better yet, when you're focusing on your career pursuits, you attract the right people you want to be around anyway. Your confidence and your hard work shines in the goals you're accomplishing, and I'm a firm believer that the right person or partner will add on to your greatest feats, not distract you or take away from it. Another step is to spend time with yourself. Maybe this season of loneliness is giving you the chance and opportunity to really spend time with yourself and get to know you. Maybe you've been so caught up with your work, job, school, career, friendships, relationships, that you've put aside yourself for so long. I see this as a way to find what you're really passionate about. Invest in the things that bring you happiness. Spend time reflecting, and if you want to change something, you have the time to do so. I will always stand by setting aside me time because I think that you find the most clarity by being by yourself, by eliminating the outside noise. 
the voices around you, the voices that sway you in one direction and the other voices that sway you in another. If I had to recall a time where I spent a significant amount of time by myself, I'd say my last year of college and my first few months of my second year living in New York City really put me to that test. It's hard at first, especially when you've spent a significant amount of time with someone and you're not used to hearing your own voice all the time. I don't talk about this much or have really talked about it publicly, but I was seeing someone for my first year living in New York City. I spent a lot of time with this person and I almost grew too comfortable with the company. My happiness started to shift whenever we were apart and I almost felt dependent on this person. Even though we live separate lives, and even though we were independent, if that makes sense. It was probably the first time I really felt this way with the person. Normally, in my college years, I would never give anyone the satisfaction that they spent the majority of their time with me. I simply just would not allow it. I was always making sure that I was independent me, and no one could tamper with my freedom. But the situation in my first two years in New York City, I grew very close with someone. I felt differently for this person and was allowing myself to not be so controlling of my independence. I was lowering this wall that I had built so high in college because it just felt right. I felt comfortable and I think that comfort really got the best of me when we decided to go our own ways. I think people can drift apart in relationships, and sometimes things just don't work with someone, no matter how hard you try. But that doesn't mean that person is bad for you, or he or she is a bad person. It just means they weren't your person, and that's okay. I've spent a lot of my alone time reflecting on that and being okay with it instead of feeling miserable and lonely because it didn't work in my favor. In the moments, you don't realize it, but after the fact and after spending some time thinking about the situation, you start to understand why it happened and why the decision was actually in your favor. If things don't work out, maybe it's because they weren't meant to be. Just a thought. The next step is to do and create things that help you grow. When going through this list for myself, I remember last year when I was working on my blog and I wanted to find another platform to share my voice. I wanted to create this podcast because I wanted to continue growing myself and helping others grow. Hence, the name On The Grow. I stuck with my podcast and continued over the years to expand on topics and discussions that would be relevant and fun for whoever wanted to listen with no particular targeted audience. If you're wanting to start a podcast, I say go for it. What are you waiting for? What is holding you back? I find that the best experiences in your life come from the ones that are unplanned. Sometimes. As scary as it is to not know what's going on, 
you really give yourself the opportunity to grow in a time or place that you once thought differently of. Back when I was mainly a blogger, I got a lot of questions asking how to start a blog. Most of them always started out with, I don't want to start a blog because what if it doesn't go anywhere? What if no one reads it? What if I decide to stop it? All of these what-ifs are always going to hinder your growth. You really never know until you try. When they say the first step is always the hardest, they're not wrong. You really have to get yourself out of the mindset of who is going to see it and what will people think and start focusing on why you want to start a blog or what you think of it. So many people's greatest fear and hesitation of starting something new is wondering what people will think of it or if it's something they can maintain long-term. But you don't know that until you try, right? I know this is the first episode in the Winter Mom series and there's more to come on loneliness and sadness that most people brush over during the holiday season. But coughing season is something I've been wanting to cover because I know far too many people, including myself, who have felt this lonely feeling during this time of the year. Even though I may not have used this term in the past, it's been a recurring conversation with single girlfriends and how it can affect us mentally. It's hard to keep up, especially when you're living in one of the most romantic cities in the world. Whenever I come home for the holidays, I always tell my family how romantic New York City is during the holidays. The Christmas lights are up, couples are ice skating, hanging out at rooftop bars with their heated blankets and the heated igloos, snuggled up watching Christmas movies with the view of the city. There's this urge to find someone who will love you and do all of these thoughtful things for you and with you. The romantic scene does not stop. And the possibilities are endless here, especially when you have someone to share those moments with. So I get it. It can be tough to focus on you when you're living in a city filled with various people from different industries, countries, and and states from all over the world. It's tough not to get wrapped up in it when you see it on a daily basis, like the couples walking down every street, holding hands on the subway. Well, Obviously, pre-COVID. Obviously. But the point I'm making is, you're not alone in thinking this. You're also not alone, even though it may feel that way. There's different ways to handle the situation. And I hope this episode was helpful for anyone feeling this way. Have any cuffing season stories or thoughts regarding this topic? Send me an email at grace at gracefullymade.com or an IGDM at bygracely. I'd be happy to hear from you. Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode in the series called Are You in a Seasonal Rut? This episode will cover what it means to be in a seasonal rut, how to get out of one, and some anecdotes that you might find enjoyable. Thanks for tuning in!